OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. All right. Welcome to the Supporters Fund Ask an Angel. I'm your host, Jeffrey Poffin, and let's welcome our investor today, which is John Derrick. Welcome. Great. Great, guys. Good to talk to you. Well, we're very excited to have you here today, John. I know we've had numerous conversations. I'm a big fan of all the things you've been doing and have done and what you're going to probably end up doing, which is, uh, uh, who knows, the future is going to hold a lot of bright things, I'm sure, especially in the deep tech space. Uh, But I think the best way for us to kind of start off and, and kick things off is I'd love to have you share a bit about kind of your past, where you've come from, the things that you've kind of worked on, uh, through Yale, all of these great things that you've done. And I don't want to list them all off because I'll take away all the thunder, but I know you've done a lot of great things. So please share that. And then uh, a little bit about where you are today. And then one thing about you that nobody will know. Okay. I'll have to start thinking about that as I'm starting to talk. So um, that's interesting. Something no one else knows. Um, I'm going to have to keep it somewhat secret so that it's still something I'm okay with you guys knowing, but that's okay. Um so, you know, that said, um, so, hey, guys, um, great to talk to you guys all. Um, I've been doing tech stuff now for about 30 years. Um, started my career out actually doing as an electrical engineer, um, deep, deep tech space, doing radar systems, um, mathematics, things like that. Um, joined IBM, did about eight years there. Lots of different shipping products. Um, 19 patents at IBM and then left IBM in 99. Um, started a company, um, raised about 5.3 million, sold for you know 10x that, something like that. And within 18 months, um, went to a venture fund, worked with a bunch of other companies, um, started a second company, we sold that to Intel, uh, went to California, um, led a IP, semiconductor IP company, grew that quickly, public company. Um, and then, you know, led about three other um, startups as the second CEO with another exit involved in all of that. Um, additionally, um, you know, I think one thing, um, probably a little ADD, um, but, you know, always looking for something new, something challenging, you know, fix the puzzle, solve the, the solution, that sort of thing. Um, always advised a bunch of other companies through that whole process. So I've also advised a few dozen different companies as a consultant, advisor, board member, served on the board of an Intel Capital Investment, for example, and uh, software-defined radio, um, other things. Um, But about five or six other additional companies I've worked with have also been acquired through the years by ARM, uh, NetApp, Qualcomm, uh, VMware, and others across all kinds of different spaces, right? So everything from material sciences, um, haptic devices, you know, company acquired by um, Kemet, um, to pure software things acquired by VMware, for example. So, yeah, so that's a quick background, you know. So, you know, done diligence for literally hundreds of different companies across, you know, 20 or so different VC firms through the years. So corporate and also just pure, you know, financial VCs. Amazing. Uh, so you pretty much spent a lot of a lot of your time, almost all your time in deep tech, but also coaching, <laughs> mentoring, and helping other companies work through the ecosystem at the same time. Yeah, I, I would say the ratio between companies I've assisted to companies I've actually led has usually been six to one. Right. You know, because I'm always mentoring, advising, helping some other, you know, first time entrepreneur, literally first time entrepreneur, you know, coming out of, you know, some research project at Yale or, you know, or something like that. Um, You know, a lot of the things that they do, I don't fully understand. I mean, I get a grasp of it, but I don't fully, fully understand it, Um, understand it enough to give them advice of, you know, how do you build your business? What do you need to worry about? How do you mitigate risk? in terms of your funding or your productization of your technology, right? And so I really enjoy that aspect of it. Uh, But at the same time, you know, obviously I have to have a full-time gig as well. 
<laughs> right? So I do those as well. So, you know, technically, I guess at this point, I probably have something that would normal people might equate to three full-time gigs plus a few more, but that's fine. I enjoy that. So it's all good. Keeping yourself busy. Yep. I kind of like the 19 patents leaving IBM in 99, kind of like the Gretzky thing. So very similar look, which I like that. I'm going to retire in 99 after I, I don't know, yeah. have 8 million awards and uh, 999,000 goals. I think it sounds like uh, you kind of did the same structure there before you left IBM. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like, um, I think like a lot, hopefully, well, I say, I hope it's not ab totally abnormal, but um, I like to do new things, period, right? Um, I like to optimize. I like to make things happen that people don't think can happen. That's actually the key part of being an entrepreneur. Um, but hopefully in the process, figure out how when I do that, I can make some money as well, whether as an investor, an entrepreneur or advisor or whatever. So yeah, no, I think that's a, a great approach. How much of what you learned and jumping into the IBM helped you from that machine side of things like IBM? has turned out many, many amazing entrepreneurs, uh, especially in the deep tech space. I know yeah. many people that have gone through the engine, the, the, the IBM engine. How much of that structure and learning do you think really helped you and propelled you over the last, well, 22 years, give or take, since you've uh, you yeah. left? I, I, it, it's, it's interesting. So when, um, so my first role was actually working at a company that was at part of TI, right? Which is now part of Raytheon. It was the defense sector. Um, and they had a very casual, I would say, technology-driven, you know, culture. Um, you know, wear shorts to work, jeans, whatever else didn't matter, right? Uh, when I first joined IBM, it was, quote, pre the conversion, right, to all of that, right? So, um, you know, so, you know, I was like the oddball, right? Everyone else is in slacks, shirts, ties, whatever else. And I'm like, dude, I'm wearing my Adidas, my, my, my 501s and the, and just, you know, it's a button down shirt, but I'm, I'm going to be comfortable. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Right. Um, and so that tech driven thing was, was fine. Um, but when I joined IBM, there were so few people getting hired at IBM that they deferred my quote orientation class until when they had enough people to do it. Right. And so when that came around, I was like, I'm too busy, told my boss, he told his boss that, hey, this guy can't do it. He's too busy doing stuff we need. I never got IBM indoctrinated, oriented, whatever trained, right? So I just did stuff, right? And so, you know, so it was a great playground, great environment to learn. Um, and I would describe it instead of doing startups, right, within, you know, that company, um, we did upstarts, right? So organization has a problem, they have a little bit of funding. They say, go do this project, go build it. And so I did a bunch of those, right? And so that was very, it's a very good kind of, you know, training wheels on, learn it, figure it out, that sort of thing. But the most important part was, you know, as you go through a company like that is learn what's quote important to the business. And then also learn what you just need to take care of. So it's not a problem, right? And those are two different things. So, you know, some structure is good. So you just don't have problems. Right. But you have to always remember what the focus is, which is producing value for the market, creating something people invest in, buy and purchase. Right. And keep people motivated. Well, I like that producing uh, value for the market, I think, is kind of strategic in the sense that uh, IBM can't survive if they're not producing enough market value. They're giving you a project which says, hey, take this upscale product or business, figure out what you can do with it, see if it, our clients will like it in the long run, but work it right now, figure out the value. So while you were doing that, and I loved working with IBM, I think that they carried a lot of that structure and you could always lean on them to help that innovation side, find new things, come up with creative ways to solve problems um, using that, maybe that deep tech, but that process of analyzing things. So in taking that, how much of this helped build street cred for you? Because now you spend the next 20 years and everybody's coming to you to advise, coach. So that yeah. all come so, from so, somewhere, yeah. Right? yeah, so street cred has a really short half-life. But that said, right, that said, um, I will say that, you know, in that environment, and there's a lot of large companies that you can, you know, as a technology guy or business guy, you can quote 
um, exist and survive for quite a while with act without actually shaking things up, right? Okay, and so you know, I would say, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, uh, you're going to be leaning forward all the time, right? Trying to figure out, you know, hey, this doesn't make sense. We could do a lot better for our company, for our team, for whatever, right? For a customer, um, let's do that, right? And you're going to be doing that as opposed to hey, it's not my problem. This is the way it's done. I'll be fine. I don't worry about it. I'm getting paid either way, right? That's the real test, right? Of, you know, do you have it in you to be an entrepreneur or not? Because if you're trying to improve it, build it, expand it, create it, you know, do whatever else, you're basically saying, I want to put myself out there to take a risk to improve what is around me, whether that's a business the product solution, the customer experience, whatever it might be. If instead you're like, hey, the system's working, I'm getting paid, I'm okay, how can I make more money? And that's all you're worried about? That it, don't, don't, don't go into entrepreneurship. You're going to get crushed, right? Because as soon as you figure out that, you know, hey, this is hard, this isn't what I really wanted, I just wanted something to make a lot of money, you're going to get really disillusioned well before you get that chance to make a lot of money, right? If that makes sense, right? Oh, 100%. And to take that back, it's kind of either doing punching the clock, doing status quo, or you're going to take what you're doing and utilize the skills and the um, improve it, expand it model so that you can actually challenge what's going on in the business so that that's going to build up more of that uh street cred for you because people are digging into you saying, hey, this guy's really going a little extra mile here. They may be uncomfortable with it, but your clients are loving it because it's making the money. It's making them see the vision. It's letting them understand that, hey, this tech might be really new, but it's going to be somewhere in the next few years. We better jump into it. So you got yeah. to create that funnel. And I'm assuming that from that, it really built up that entrepreneurial side to you probably thinking, hey, you know what? I could really survive and do this myself. Yeah, and a lot of it actually has to do with a um, a great deal of quote I'll say impatience, right? Of things have to happen; they have to happen faster and faster, right? And so, you know, sometimes there was a phrase for a while. I'm not sure if it's still in use. Of don't ask for for permission, ask for forgiveness. Um, I actually would take it a little step further, and I've actually used this on board members, which is, you know. You know, don't ask for forgiveness. Be in an entirely different place in your business when they even realize there's a question, right? Just kind of just keep blowing through the neighborhood, right? You know, kind of thing. Um, and that's very true, right? Because, you know, ultimately people don't care, you know, do it ethically, obviously. Do it legally. Do it with, you know, all the right care and you know, respect of all the different things you need to do. But, you know, ultimately you know, you're responsible for your company, you're responsible for your destiny. If you're a CEO or a startup, you know, founder, whatever else, you're responsible for the destinies of all your employees, right? Which is, you know, kind of mind bending at some point, right? You've got to realize, oh, yeah, I'm responsible for you guys, you know, being able to feed your kids as well, right? Uh, but once you grasp that, right, you just got to go with it, right? And you've got to realize that uh, you've got to move faster, right, than you ever thought you could before, right, to make things happen and get rid of all the bureaucracy of, yeah, we've got procedures, we got committees, we got whatever else. None of that matters when you're actually just coming down to results, right? And as a team, the whole team has to realize that, right? Um, or at least everyone that stays is part of that team, right? But you've got you've to move as a team in lockstep you know, creating, delivering, making decisions and, and moving down that path. Um, and, and startups are bobsled runs, right? And the reason I say that is it doesn't matter if you wind up coming out the bottom of the bobsled right side up or upside down or crossways, you're still coming out the bottom, right? And so once you start it, once you start that process, you're, you're popping out the bottom, right? It's just a question of how, how intact you are when you get there. Right. You know, how much money you'll receive, whether you'll be broke, whether you'd be broken or whether you're going to be like, you know, yay, we, we survived. We made it. We made tons of money. Right. No, I like that. And I like to use the line that whatever I don't do today, I fail tomorrow. So there's got to be that urgency to keep driving you, because I think a lot of the time 
we we yeah. don't always see further than today. We have to keep looking a little bit further out. And I think that that yeah. is where you know taking the the roles that you've taken as a CEO, uh, you've probably jumped in with this tech because you could see where this is going to go. And right now it's in its infancy, so you might be at the top of that bobsled run. Uh, and you know what? You might not have the best bobsled, but while you're going down, you're building it. You're building some track. And you're making yourself down because you want to get to the bottom and, like you said, put your arms up and cheering that you won. So does a lot of that come from that uh, drive and vigor to change the world? It, it, it does, right, on a local level. Um, you know, the other thing is you mentioned that looking out ahead, everything else. Um, you know, I've, at this point, I've advised, you know, dozens and dozens of different early stage startups and everything else, right? And I'll tell you just kind of as an observation, not sure if we want to go into it much deeper, but um, many, many early, you know, first, you know, first CEO type role, you know, kind of leadership. Uh, one of the places that they fail is they think of everything fully sequentially, right? They think of, you know, hey, this is going to happen. We make this decision. And after that, we'll worry about everything else, right? And so, one of the things I think that really separates people that can kind of figure this out and those that can't are people can, who can visualize, right, the whole path, the whole trajectory, the arc, if you will, right, of their startup, everything that needs to happen over time, and then prior, prioritize when they need to think about, when they need to resolve, when they need to decide the different things that need to be decided, right? And, you know, it's it's a little bit of a mental compartmentalization problem maybe, but it's definitely very advantageous, right? To be able to say, hey, this I don't need to worry about till six months from now or nine months from now, right? Um, and to counter that, the other thing I've seen is um, people who, and this, this is actually something I've tried to ingrain in my own management teams and people I've hired is, you know, if someone comes to you and say, hey, we've got a decision we've got to make, right? The first question you always have to ask is, hey, is this a decision that requires me, right? Can someone, is it important enough that I need to care about? It? If it's not, delegate it, empower them, make them feel good, make them grow, right? Um, if it is something that requires me, you know, do we have the data we need to make the decision, right? If we do make the decision, move on. If we don't, can we get the data to make the decision? If we can't in a reasonable amount of time and effort, then make an assumption, make a decision. Um, otherwise, get the data, make the decision. But you always have to move forward. You're always processing as a leader. You always have to figure out where are we going? What do we need to do? What's been, what are we encountering right now that we've got to decide on right now so that we can move faster than the competition, whomever that might be? So do you think when you're in that same context of always moving forward and getting people to repel their mind and their uh, the business initiatives forward, um, is it the job of the CEO and as the entrepreneur in-house that is the CEO, is it their job to kind of poke the bear and to get these things moving? And where do they get that learning from? Where do they understand that, you know what, status quo isn't great? You know, yeah, things are calm right now, but that's not the way to run your business, that you always have to be reinventing and changing and trying to push that line further and further ahead. What gets that mentality? How do you train or how do you coach other CEOs while you're CEOing your own company, how are you getting yeah. people to get to that same line that you're pushing? Yeah, so so for me personally, it's an, it's a um, it's probably a personality trait. I'm just not comfortable with status quo, right? Things have to change, right? We're either growing, right? Um, you know, and I've been in both situations. I've been in companies where we've been growing rapidly. I've also been thrown into um, public company roles, you know. Um, officer level where we had a company that was struggling and I had to go in and say, this doesn't work. We're changing everything, right? And rip it up, add new people, switch it over, grow the business, right? Um, you know, and, and so I think from an entrepreneur, the whole thing about an entrepreneur is an entrepreneur is not comfortable, is not satisfied with what is right now, right? Whether that's, we need to grow it or we need to rebuild it, remodel it, fix it, whatever it might be. Right. And so, yeah, to a large degree, you know, as a leader, um, you've got to set that standard. But at the same time, you also have to realize that when you're hiring people into your company, your organization, uh, there are people that are not comfortable with that level of uncertainty. Right. And so, 
you know, when I look at companies, you know, from a diligence standpoint or working with them, whatever else, um, there's always three things I look at, right? You know, one is, you know, what's the, you know, what's the market we're trying to reach, right? You know, what does that look like? Where is it? You know, can we reach it from where we're located? Connections, things that, like that we have. Um, the second one is, you know, what product or offering do we have? Does it actually match, mash up really well with what that is? And those two things, you know, most people kind of think about that a lot, right? The third one is, is the team, right? And it's not just the individuals, it's definitely the individuals, but it's also how the team interacts and whether they're, you know, you know, kind of assigned or, you know, structured uh, in a way that actually works really well to, you know, address the the challenges and and the goal that they have as a whole company. Um, and, you know, there are people who just emotionally, just for their own well-being, should not be part of a startup. They just need, they just need a level of structure and every day is good, right? Everything, you know, is kind of structured and predictable um, that you just can't offer in startup, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just don't, don't torture them with that process, right? I've had, I've had VP level people that worked with me early in my career that they were not wired for the uncertainty that was going to come in what we did and we were successful but they were stressed out of their minds the whole process right so anyway so it's it's always you know you know yourself first know your company and know how you're going to address the problem the challenge right but you know it, it's it's definitely uh it's a definitely a different flow right than some other companies might be well, I like that. It, it all comes back down to no matter what you're going to market at, it comes back down to the team. So your team mm-hmm. is really important in order to support all of this. And you've obviously found this through your multiple company growths and exits, uh, the companies that you support, that you always had to have that team. Now, being early on in a pre-seed all the way up to a Series E, I could probably say that 99% of that team probably won't be the same team that you had in the pre-seed that you're going to have at that Series E. And, but in that growth, like you said, you got to be able to change things, know yourself, know your, your, uh, your team, know your company, know the challenge you're going after, but all of those can change and they're going to change year after year and you have to adapt. So how do you break through that fear? Because I think we have this fear that when we build this first team, this is my team, you know, this is the best team in the world. And you don't see past that vision because right now all you see is what you're trying to hit that first milestone. How do I get over the fear that I have to keep making change, that I have to force uh, better, smarter people in this realm because that's what's going to get me to success? Yeah, I think there's there's a couple pieces there, right? You know, one piece is, um, like you said, know yourself, right? So for me personally, I'm very okay with some guy's got an idea in the lab, some university somewhere, we got to figure it out, right? And I'm okay with, you know, public company role I'm presenting to, um, you know, presenting to the execs at Intel, I've been there, right? You know, this is what we need to do. You know, got acquired, you know, the guy signed up, checked my guy acquired by um, Intel was uh, Pat Gelsinger, right? Before he came back last time, right? This is the previous time, right? So comfortable with all of those. The thing I wasn't comfortable with is static, you know, stasis, right? You know, moving, I got to be moving. So that's my biggest issue, right? But you're going to have people who don't scale. Right, you're going to have people who they're comfortable at a certain level. Their abilities take them to a certain level. They're not going to want to stretch beyond that, right? Um, and the thing you always have to be looking for in a company is, you know, even in in my role as a CEO, you know, you're looking for, you know, how do I grow the company to where we can hire someone who can do the jobs better than the people that are there right now, right? Always a key thing, right? Um, and this gets back to someone who's in a startup. If you're in a startup, if you're doing it right, you're very confident in what you're doing, right? You're very confident that you're going to be able to create massive value, right? And when the chance comes or when the opportunity happens where there's probably someone is better for the role than you are, then you're going to find a new role in that company or somewhere else, Right. But the point is the value that you've created in that company will be in good hands, right? With that next group of people who are going to drag it, push it, you know, move it along, right? And so if you can get comfortable with that, which a lot of founders can't, 
I'll just say, right? You know, honestly, a lot of founders are like, hey, this is my deal. No one else understands it as well as I do. Um, and I'll just challenge anyone that says that to say, investors, smart investors, they recognize your understanding insight into that market, but they also have a lot more experience than you probably do in scaling companies, right? And, you know, and so if you ignore that, you're going to leave a lot of value behind, right? If you fight that, you're going to lose a lot of value because really what you want to do as an early stage founder is you want to create a company where it can go like a rocket, right? And if you're not the fuel for that rocket, you want, you want to get someone in there that can drive it faster, farther than you ever could. And then you go do something else. You go create another launch, right? You go start something else and get that moving, right? But it's all a financial transaction, right? You know, if it's just for the love of, you know, I want to do this thing because I'd like to create, you know, whatever, right? You know, that's, you know, that's got my personal mark on everything else. That's no longer a business, right? That's your personal identity. That's everything else. You know, it's a hobby or whatever it might be. Um, but if you're focused on, I want to create enterprise value over and over and over again, you got to get past that. And I, I'm, I'm sure that probably raised a bunch of psychological questions on me, but that's okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> so. No, not at all. I, I, uh, I remember learning this lesson when I worked in, uh, when I was in IT at Loblaws and they said, you, uh, you got to learn to let go. You got to let move forward. And it's always about propelling yourself forward. Yeah. And I, I remember sitting in an elevator and, and my uh, boss at the time after this big heavy meeting turned to me and he's like, you okay? And I looked at him, I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. I can let this go and move on to the next thing. And he looked at me like, wait a second. No, you need to drive this thing into the ground. I'm like, no, no, man. Like, we got the okay. This thing's handed off now. Let's go forward right. and something else. Right. And that's that entrepreneurial mindset of how can I keep creating status quo and break it and make it better and move it forward more. But you have to be able to, and I think founders sometimes get stuck in the position of I'm having too many pain points and I can't see around the corner and I can't leverage myself to get over that because the risk is too high. They forgot all the risk they took to get there. So then they got to comfort level and then they can't figure out how to kind of keep bumping it forward. And, you know, sometimes you got to throw a bomb in there to kind of shake things up. And that could be a new hire or a change in team or a new product, whatever it might be, but something has to keep propelling you forward. And you have to keep thinking about how do I make that change to move, uh, you know, one more notch forward. Yeah. I mean, to put it, to put it kind of a little bit differently. Um, so, you know, I was at IBM for about eight and a half years, which for an IBM person, that's not very long, right? Yeah. It's, it's like people talk about being there for their life and all that. Father-in-law retired there, right? Spent 30 some years and that sort of thing. But um, to me, it wasn't eight and a half years at IBM. It was five different technology projects that when I ended one, I looked around, I said, oh, I can go work on that. They assigned me to that. I went and did it, built it, constructed it, sold it, you know, conquered, and then went to the next challenge, right? And so it was a series of opportunities. So IBM to me was not so much a company to work for. Um, it was an ecosystem of which to innovate within, right? If oh, that, that makes sense. sense, right? And so even if you're not, you know, even if you're not launched out, you're not part of a startup, whatever else, you know, uh, you know, private company. Think about where you're at. Where can you innovate? What can you create? Where can you start building value, right? On that on that kind of challenge type basis, right? And the beauty, of course, in a company like that is, you know, if if it fails, great, you get another chance, right? That's the beauty of it because you know you got you got your retirement. You're going to still work there as long as you don't really suck. You'll be fine, right? Sorry. Um, <laughs> But the downside is the up, you know, the downside is the upside is just a better salary. It's a promotion, right? It's a few stock options or RSAs, right? It's not that big, right? So you just have to decide where you want to dial it in. Yep, agreed. So now taking this, um, I guess the the best parts of what's occurred through your IBM days and and the CEO side and raising funds and, and building up this business and really finding ways to keep changing status quo and, and growing the company. Uh, you, you started to do a lot of, um, I guess, add-ons to, to your whole journey. And, and one of them that really interested me a lot was what you were doing with Yale 
Um, can you share a little bit of how Yale started and where that ties sure. into kind of yeah. your whole journey? Yeah. So, um, so just to put some context in it. So uh, I've advised, you know, like I said, a few dozen different VC funds on different investments and things that they've done through the years. Um, um, dived into those projects as a coach to their CEO, so their CEOs, interim CEO roles, um, management teams, strategy, everything else, right? Um, I've also worked with a number of different universities um, that have tried to be working on commercialization of technologies, right? And a uh, number of years ago, through another group that was trying to do um, uh, kind of incubation of um, silicon or hardware-based technologies, I advised a company up in Yale, right? And so worked with them, um, made significant progress, kind of demonstrated that. And through that process, as Yale was trying to create an EIR program, entrepreneur in residence program, people to kind of from industry help the, their researchers or teams figure out what to do, um, started working with them on that, right? And so, you know, uh, I see early, early stage um, tech from different universities, whether that's material science or computer vision or you, know, you name it, um, from different universities where they're like, hey, we've got this thing. What do we do with this? Right. And this is kind of this is like my sweet spot. Right. To be honest. Right. Because I understand some tech, look at the market, figure out a whole structure of how to drive through it. Um, and really, for me, you know, it, it's not just an interesting thing to do. It's actually something I feel really strongly about, because if we're going to go develop things, let's develop things that actually can make a difference in the market, right? The world, you know, create value, right? And so I've been involved in a bunch of those projects through different things. And those range, you know, in, in the case of Yale, it's material science, it's memories, uh, it's battery tech, battery recycling tech. You know, so it's everything from computers to you know, green tech to, you know, other material science stuff, right? So. Awesome. So in that that part of what you've been doing with Yale, are you tied into many startups and really working through that ecosystem um, as you've built out kind of the process on how to scale, how to commercialize? It sounds like a lot of it's on commercializing innovation. Yeah. So, so are you doing that with a lot of products and businesses? So I think at the moment, I'd have to actually check a list. I don't have a list in front of me. I think I probably am working with like eight different companies right now. Yep. Um, early stage startups that are trying to commercialize a technology that was originated in a university lab, right? In addition to that, I also work with a couple of the um, groups that are trying to do um, commercialization of technology coming out of uh, national energy labs. Um, and, you know, so for example, you know, one of the companies I work with, um, you know, they're out of uh, Oak Ridge National Labs. They did research here, right, in my area. Um, another one's doing a project to do miniaturization of technology at Argonne. Um, you know, another one came out of Yale. You know, it's just, it's a pretty long list and kind of geeky to say the least, which is fine, which I'm okay with, right, because I'm really more of a, you know, you have a hard science, you know, technology or something, right, that process, um, how do we then create value from that, right, and minimize the length of time it takes from, it works on a lab bench, now how do we actually build a product, right? So I've been through that project, that, that you know, that, that process um, trajectory, you know, at least at this point, at least a dozen times with different companies, right? And so it's pretty, you know, it, even if the technologies are considerably different, the process of getting them out is actually pretty similar. But in, but you did help kind of build that commercialization. And I think that makes a big difference in, uh, especially when there's going to be a lot more companies over the next 10, 15, 20 years coming out of Yale, and, and they're going to need that yeah. understanding of how to commercialize it. And you're, you're sharing that down and helping others learn more about what this kind of vertical looks like and how to yeah, not, not just with them, but any of the, um, any of the universities generating deep tech, right. You know, whatever it might be. And, you know, from, from my own perspective, um, it doesn't matter if someone, I'll say this, it doesn't matter so much if someone creates this magical breakthrough in a lab, that's going to create green, you know, green energy, clean water, you know, nuclear fusion, whatever it might be doesn't matter if someone builds that in a lab and it never actually happens, right? 
So I'm just throwing some effort and energy brain power behind, let's actually you know, take some of these things and actually get them in the market where it actually makes a difference. That's it, right? Pretty simple. I think that's uh, pretty exciting regardless, and especially being able to do that with uh, a lot of the companies on technology that may never even hit the world. So that's, uh, that's- no, yeah, yeah. So like I said, I mean, yeah, there's some fascinating, fascinating quote things that people have created and you're like, well, the, you know, theoretically, right? That would be great, right? You know, it'd be wonderful if we could, okay, so let's actually put some energy behind that, right? You know, not look for the magical next thing that, you know, may or may not actually happen, but, um, you know, so much of, yes, I, I would say, so much of the role of the entrepreneur is not quote raw research, technology development. And I'll be, I'll, I'll confess to a couple of things here, right? Uh, you know, my first startup, um, you know, we built a technology that was quote revolutionary, uh, but it combined hardware uh, processor like coprocessor type technology and uh, just-in-time compilation technology in a single tool, right? Um, both of which were well-established. We just kind of meshed the two together differently, right? And it was a phenomenally good idea, right? Uh, but how much, quote, raw research, new technology did we, we develop? Not a ton. A lot of it had to do with just making it palatable to the market, right? You know, and so one thing I would challenge any entrepreneur that's looking, you know, deep tech entrepreneur that they're doing to think about is, you know, it's one thing to build something no one else can build. Okay, great. It's a whole nother thing that will actually probably have more impact if you can take the thing that you can build. Someone else could too, but you just do it first. And you just do it in a way that is more packaged, more palatable to the market than anyone else because you understand that market space better, right? And get it out there and get it done, right? You know, how, how many times have people said, you know, Apple doesn't really do anything that other people, quote, can't do? It happens, you know, people say that a lot. It just happens to be that they do it, quote, packaged better, right? They actually focus on what people need, package it, and then turn around and sell it, right? So, you know, so many times it's not the, quote, most complicated technology. In fact, it's almost never the most complicated technology that wins, it's the one that actually does the job and is packaged well, right? That actually does it. And that's the one that has the most impact, right? So if you're trying to, you know, green up the planet, um, you know, have better energy efficiency, you know, solve the, you know, computer security problem. These are all things I deal with every once in a while. Um, you know, do the thing that people will use, right? The do the thing that has market share. That's the thing that's going to have the most impact. No, I agree. I like that. And, and learn to commercialize because I think yep. a lot of what you're doing is and commercialize can meet a lot of things, but it's creating a, a great supply chain. It's, it's uh, processing things, making sure that you're running uh, lean and mean and with no errors and, and finding ways to keep reinventing and, and building values. So uh, there's a lot of different ways to commercialize, but I think there's a, it's a big piece of how this motion has to happen for the business and that leader has to be able to take that with their team and help that ball keep moving forward. And commercializing is just a lot of its process. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of it is, you know, if you want to change a whole industry, right? Create something that you can sell that replaces the way that industry works with something that's cheaper, more efficient and makes more money, right? And it'll take it over. Whether you actually gain all the market share for it or not, it doesn't matter. You will change that industry, right? Um, and that's, that's a, you know, let the economics work for you. Don't fight the economics of the whole process. I love it. Three things that you want to share about uh, being a CEO of a startup and building a company. What are three things that, that you would teach to somebody today that really stood out in your experience that you could say that, you know what, look at these three things when you're building your company. Um, always hire above yourself. Right, you know, if you're hiring people that you don't think are smarter than you for doing different roles, then you're an idiot, <laughs> right? They're, they're not, you know, they may still be smarter than you, but it's not because you think, you know, it's not because you're thinking properly yourself. It's just because you're an idiot for hiring people that are better than you are. But anyway, so that's one, I always hire good, right? Um, the other thing is um, always make sure that not only do people understand the vision of your company, what you're trying to do, 
but also make sure that every individual in your company can understand what role they play in that. Right. Because, you know, if, if they're part of a company where they believe in the mission, but they don't understand how they fit, it doesn't help them feel secure. It doesn't help them, you know, feel motivated. Right. So make sure that they know that. Um, and then the last one is um, be really pragmatic or really honest. I said, I should say honest, be really honest about yourself, right? Regardless of what you accomplish, regardless of what you do, um, you're just a person trying to figure this out with everyone else. You just happen to be in a different space than somebody else. So don't be a jerk with other human beings, treat them with kindness, respect, and, and work through that problem, right? And, and see if you can get other people to join you to do that. Uh, because, you know, I will tell you, um, it, you know, in the, in the CEO ranks of, you know, startups, everything else, there's a lot of idiots, right? There's a lot of us that don't, you know, that screwed everything up in our lives and with other relationships with other people. Uh, don't do that, right? Because companies kind of come and go relationships that you have with the people you work with, your family, your kids, everything else, those hopefully, if you do it right, will actually last a lifetime. Well said. Yeah, those are uh, those are great things to, to keep in mind. I like the last one. It's, uh, well, they're all good, but the last one really does stand out because, you know what, treat people the way they should be and, and be good to everybody and things will work in the right direction for you. Yeah, I... And part of that last one also is not just family and close friends and things like that, but it's also how you treat other people in the business, right? And the reason I say that is, um, you know, I've always taken the approach that um, companies come and go, right? I've been married for 29 years. Um, I've worked at, with all the different startups, engagements, everything else, a few dozen companies, literally, you know, and actually held probably you know, seven, eight, nine different full-time gigs, like full-time jobs, right? You know, um, and your, you know, your relationship with other people, your reputation, you know, what people say about you will carry across every single one of those companies, right? You know, the company will come and go, right? What people think about you as a brand, think about you as, you know, do I want to do business with them or not? Can I trust them? Everything else? that goes forever. And so I do a lot of business occasionally randomly, right. With people that, Oh yeah, I know this guy. It's been, you know, like just as an example, you've asked me to introduce one of your companies to a guy that I used to work with um, literally 24 years ago. Right. So if I, if I screwed him over then, right. Sorry. But yeah, if I, if, you know, if, if it was not a relationship, there's no way that it would make any sense to even try to have that conversation. Right. You know, and so, you know, be a decent person to the people around you. Right. You, know, you can, you can be an aggressive entrepreneur and not be a, a jerk. Right. So. I'm hitting the like button like crazy right now. There's uh, likes going up on the screen, but I completely agree with you. It's uh I think sometimes we get caught up in our own thing and we forget that uh, we're all human and we're all working on the same trajectory. We're all, we're all trying to, we're all trying to figure it out, right? Optimize for where we're going and for others, hopefully those around us. So, yeah. Like it. Uh, well, we're going to kind of transition a little bit into uh, one of the, one area that I'm, I always like, which is a great story and looking for, and all of the, the startups and the businesses that you run, and the people that you come across, the stories that you hear, is there any kind of heartfelt story where it really uh, blew your mind away how this entrepreneur, how she or he was able to just, you didn't think it was going to work and they just overcame the barriers and they just made it take off like a rocket ship or they, at least they survived. Uh, maybe it was a COVID story, who knows, but it was just kind of looking for a story that really shows uh, what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, wow. A little forewarning on this one would have been great. Um, I'm thinking <laughs> so it's okay. Um, yeah. So I've, I've um, yeah, so I've been involved in companies in all kinds of different places. One of them, the one I'm kind of drawn to on this one is, um, so I was hired as the second CEO kind of replacing a scale up for a company that was uh, based in Ukraine. Right. And so uh, this was before the revolution, right? Whatever you want to call it, 2013, right? Um, and so these guys, you know, mostly guys, you know, there was, I think we had 14, 
about 15 out of out of 50 people there um you know you know but most most were you know women sorry most were men uh, most had served in the ukrainian army in the it service and so um and so you know got there we started scaling the the program we started you know got things moving um you know, grew the revenue in the year you know that first year about 350% so a pretty good revenue growth for a SaaS company um, got into a bunch of telcos, um, things like that. Uh, but in the backdrop, we were raising capital, right? And so, you know, we're raising capital, um, US-based firm, you know, when the revolution happened, and I can share pictures, probably not right now, but I can share pictures like in the square with the barricades, the bonfires, the, you know, riot and shooting, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but these guys were like, this is where we live. We want to build a tech company. We want to be important. We want to make this work, right? Um, and so, you know, so they kept going, um, the funding source in the U S kind of didn't happen because, you know, the firm and I won't name them, but the firm in San Francisco was like, we're not wiring you know, $3 million into the Ukraine. That doesn't make any sense. Um, and so, you know, so started raising another capital raise, you know, out of Europe and got that sort of moving along. And then the jetliner got shot down. Right. But these guys are still building their stuff. They're still selling. We're still plugging along. And so, you know, here in the U.S., it's like, I can't continue with this path, right? You know, my marketing sales team that we built up here, we can pay for them. The investors, the current investors won't do it. We couldn't get new investors and they're still going, right? The point is they're still going. And so even in the interim of all of that, um, you know, a bunch of them got, quote, drafted, right, to the Ukrainian you know, army, right? We're going to get sent off to the Eastern Front. You know, they they went to a different country for a while, leaving their families behind to keep working. And, you know, so laptops, hotel rooms, typing away, working while I'm here, you know, in comfort. But they were just dedicated to, we are going to make this work. We don't care about geopolitical. We don't care about, you know, we're going to get deported, whatever else is going to happen. And they're still going, Right. And so I think, you know, the, the thing I would just say there is just the tenacity, right? And you got to have a certain level of this, um, the tenacity, the stubbornness of just, we are going to make this work, right? And, you know, believing in it enough to do that. It's not a gig. It's not a job. You know, it's a mission that you set out to because this is something important enough. I think it should be made. It should be built. Right. And so, sorry, maybe not as dramatic a story as you might want, but, you know, it's it's that, that one kind oh, of sticks with me. Perfect. That's exactly what we want to hear. It You know, it, it shows that, you know, nothing can get in front of your dream and that it doesn't matter if the funding didn't come in here and this person didn't like this. Yeah. It's the fact that they were going to uh, the war was going on in front of their window that they were well, they were really got yeah. at it. Yeah. And, and just the. You know, and and you know, and I think it's also a reminder, though, of sometimes, um, you know, when you go into this, you do need to recognize, understand that it will put some stresses on your system that are unusual, right? So if you're used to an easy, normal nine to five type job, this is not that, right? It's not that, right? You know, it's it's a uh, you know, you're going to be thinking about this, or you should be thinking about this, twenty four seven, with an occasional break to for mental health. Right. But that's about it. Right. Yep. I like that. No, that's a great story. And uh, I love it. Tenacity and uh, the desire to make sure you get success out of something. You'll just keep working hard. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to transition now into the rapid fire questions. These are going to be business questions. It's yes. uh, (laughs) One or the other. So it's easy, quick snapshot, and then we'll jump into some personal stuff. So, uh, all right. First question. Founder or co-founder? What's the question? Pick one or the other. Would you take a founder or a co-founder? Like, which one do you represent? Which one would you rather invest in? Either. Okay. Unicorn or four-year 10X exit? Four-year. Tech or CPG? Tech. Brand or tech? Tech. AI or blockchain? AI. First time founder or second or third time founder? What did they do the first and second time? 
Is that not an option? No, no, that's the mystery. Okay, first. <laughs> first money in or Series A? First. Uh, Angel or VC? Angel. Board seat or observer? Board. Safe or convertible note? Convertible. Lead or follow? Yeah. For what I do, it's normally first money in when I've done it. So that doesn't really matter. So. All right. Equity or interest payments? Equity. All right. Favorite part of investing? Favorite part of investing? Um, the exit. Okay. <laughs> Number of companies you invest in per year? Uh, a few. Okay. Preferred ter- Any preferred terms? Like you like equity, you're at perf- pref shares, you don't like safes? Um, convertible notes, discount, and a cap. Okay. Uh, any verticals you like to focus on? Deep tech. Has to have a good technology component. And the, the team is most important. Team and market is the most important. Yep. Okay. All right. We're going to jump into the personal side now. These are the fun ones. Maybe. Book, book or movie? Movie. Superman or Batman? Batman. Pizza pop or ice cream bar? What was that? Pizza pop or ice cream bar? Pizza pop? Yeah, it's like those folded pizzas, like a little pizza. Oh, no, pop. No. Yeah, ice cream. I, I'm, 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 I'm celiac. I can't eat. I'm, glu- I'm a glutard. I can't eat gluten. <laughs> so I'm going to go with ice cream. That's all right. Yeah. Five minutes with Bezos or Oprah? Oh, Bezos by far. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Arsenal or Manchester United? Uh, MU, Manchester United. But don't, but don't, sorry. I got I got I got to give a caveat here only because I had a VP of marketing that I worked with at two different companies who is a, a huge Manchester fan. Uh, but unfortunately, this is the thing about all these relationships, everything else, because it really is about relationships. Um, unfortunately, he passed a number of years ago from pancreatic cancer, right? And so I, I've got to say Manchester United, just, like just for the team. So the team. Yeah, that's good. I will find an Arsenal fan. I'm working on it. Um, I, I know a few. I just don't talk to them. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> well, I can't find any. So that's okay. Uh, really? I, yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> uh, bike or rollerblades? Bike. Big Mac or Chicken McNuggets? I can't eat either one, so it doesn't matter. Well, you gotta like one better than the other, no? I can't. I can't eat either either one. Okay, if you could eat one, which one would you crave better? A Big Mac. Yeah, I'm actually thinking that now. All right, trophy or money? Oh, always take the money. Can't you can't spend fame. You can't you can like invest your your dollars, whatever else, in other causes, other things that you want to. Right. So fame yeah. is you know it's a white elephant, man. Just get over it. It's like <laughs> it's like titles. Right. I don't care about titles anymore. You know, someone wants to bring me as a COO instead of a CEO. I don't care. Just tell just tell me what my equity position is. And now I'm going to make money. I like it. All right. right. That's good. Yep. Uh, beer or wine? Wine. All right. Uh, alarm clock or mobile phone? Uh, I don't have an alarm clock. Mobile phone. Yep. All right. Uh, hotel or hostel? Uh, definitely a hotel. Uh, and then I was the, the question that I would have asked if it was the other day, Italy or England, we already know who's going to win that one. So uh, you don't have to put in you your scratch uh, that one off. You can yeah, scratch. scratch that one off. Um, all right. Now with a couple of political sides. So oh, no. one, one question on the political front. So based on all the things that Trump's done, he thinks he's good. Do you think anything's going to happen with this tax issue? Yes or no? Tax issue, which the tax Oh, the, the, whatever. No, not at all. You don't think that'll be the little thing that's going to take him down? No, it's, it's, um, so I'm not sure what the audience here is, but, um, in terms of, you know, the bureaucracy, fine print of tax processing, legal stuff, whatever else on businesses, um, tax and accounting, almost nobody can say their tax return that they file is actually accurate because it's just too complicated. So it, it'll be, you know, it's, it's a, at best, it's 
minor white crime, white collar mistake, you know, fines, whatever else. I don't think anything will happen of it. Fair enough. So, yeah. Now, now Capone got taken down by taxes, but that was a little different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a little bit more on the other side of the track. So I get it. Well, or at least known he was, but. Well, yeah, the side of the size and magnitude of the of the discrepancy was larger, right? So who knows? True. Um, all right, favorite sports team? Don't have time really for that much. I'm more of a college guy. So uh, University of Texas used to go to a bunch of Stanford football games, which they they're not very good, but they were really close. Great games out, in, yeah. you know, fear the tree. That sort of stuff, right? So it's not good. I like it. I, I was just before the pandemic, I was down in Pittsburgh and uh, going and catching some college football. So it's really good. Yeah, college football is a big thing. So my my personal team where I went to school was really bad. So yeah, but it's it's still fun. It doesn't matter. Yep. You don't need to you don't need to win in football to be happy, right? In companies, you need to win to be happy, but that's okay. True. So. All right, so I know this may not work, but favorite movie and character you would play in the movie? Favorite movie? Um, I'm actually, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm not huge into that, but I'm going to throw in Truman Show. All right. So you may not hear that one very often. Um, And the reason is because it kind of realizes the whole process that he actually needs to, quote, be himself and don't worry about how the system is trying to drive him. And so I think from an entrepreneurship perspective, and I say that only because we're on this call, but, um, you know, be yourself, understand who you are and, you know, figure that out. Right. And that's actually pretty important. Right. You know, whether you decide you're going to be an entrepreneur, business guy, whatever else or not a business person or not, doesn't matter most important to actually understand who you are so you can be the, what you want to be. Right. And that's, yeah, that's what I got out of the movie, but that's probably highly tainted by my own wiring. (laughs) So anyway, it's fine. So now that's good. It's i I'm going to have to check that out. It's been a long time since I've seen the show, but uh, great. great All right. Our very last question. Oh, sorry. Second last question, because we didn't answer the first one. Yeah. Sorry. What is your superpower? Um, My superpower is probably figuring out people's personality traits pretty quickly, understanding them. So I've tried to become a student of understanding how people are wired is incredibly important. And so it's more of a long answer to the question, but there's, um, I believe, strongly in a bunch of different psychological test type thing, personality tests. Um, and so one of them is a, um, a circle, a square, a triangle, and either a Z or a squiggle, right? Kind of tells you a lot about the person. Um, most people, I can actually tell them what they're going to score on the thing before they actually even take the test. Nice. Can you tell me what I'd score? Cause now I'm super curious. I mean, uh, I think we'll have to do that later. <laughs> done <laughs> Word. You're, love to learn this you're you're you by the way i think i would say you're probably a square or is or a z but square. i'm gonna go with the square so you can go look online take the test but now but now you can't take the test this is a problem right because now i've i've waited it for you you don't know i don't even know what they are what they mean so uh, but if, but if you do a if you do a search on google you'll find it so anyway I, i'm gonna try this yeah, just personal like disclosure. Um, I'm I'm a Z. You're a Z. All right. I'm a Z. So you can look the thing up, and then you'll figure it out, and then it'll make perfect sense. But anyway. Okay, done. I'm going to check this out. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the uh, so the the last question was the first question. One thing about you that nobody would know. I try to run pretty transparent in life. Um, so I'm actually not sure if there's anything that other people, at least someone would not know about me already. Uh, I could go through a whole list of things that you guys don't know about me. I'm an identical twin, for example. That's um, pretty cool. 
Yeah, so I've got an identical twin that's essentially a mirror opposite of me. Um, so he's, so he, I went to, got my BSEE in mathematics, electrical engineering type stuff. Um, he got his degree, he got a PhD in biochemistry and then a law degree at Berkeley. Um, serves as a patent judge, takes forever to make decisions. Okay, that's fine. Um, I tend to make decisions super fast. So like I said, we're kind of mirror images. We get it, we understand each other, but we're different. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't have a lot of what no one else knows about me. Oh, that works. That I works. got almost nothing. I don't know. Right. Well, I think that works. So, John, I appreciate all your time today. Yeah. Fantastic. I learned a lot. I Like I always do. Got to show it. I took a ton of notes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great journey. Love that we got to share that today. I appreciate, appreciate again, all of your time. Yeah. Um, and the way we like Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say the other thing, because I mentioned the personality test thing with the squares shaped or whatever else. The other one is um, many different, if you look at the different personality profiles, um, Briggs, Meyer, or Myers-Briggs, I don't know which order because I'm kind of dyslexic. That might be a secret. I don't know. So it might be. But anyway, um, so one of the things that comes up is different personality profiles. Uh, so I'm a very strong um, ENTP, right, on that profile. Um, so slightly extroverted, everything else intuitive thinking and perceptive is kind of off the chart, right? And so I spend a lot of my time when I'm interacting with other people trying to remap, you know, hey, here's the solution. This makes perfect sense to me. This is why it makes sense, whatever else. Spend a ton of my time trying to figure out how to explain it to the people who oftentimes are engineers or technical developer type people who think about things not as being perceptive, quote, like here's the answer, but rather going through a whole process set of steps of how to get there, right? And so I, I've, I spent a ton of time at IBM, even got some reviews, um, you know, performance reviews of, John usually has the right solution. He listens to what he says and then he just says what he's gonna say, <laughs> right? And it all, it all kind of boiled down to, you know, he's thinking about this in a non-linear path and we're thinking about it linearly, right? And so, you know, and so I think the other thing I would just, you know, encourage people to do is, again, like I said earlier, understand yourself, understand what's going to make you happy, understand how you think about things, understand how you react to the environment around you, uh, not to necessarily, quote, compensate for it. This is the last word I like to leave with you guys, but, um, but rather understand how you're wired so that you can optimize that value, right? So, you know, if, you know, so example, I'm, I'm not gonna be a long distance runner or a sprinter or anything else for that matter, because I'm just not that person. But if you're a sprinter, you're not gonna start trying, you know, say, hey, I'm a sprinter. I don't do really good at long distance running. I need to improve on that and focus on that, right? So I can be better. Don't do that. You know, understand what your strengths are, right? Focus on that. Understand a little bit about what your weaknesses are. And if you're developing your team as an, you know, as a CEO or whatever else, hire people to cover those spots. Hire someone to compensate for the fact that you're not good, for example, at sales or not good at marketing or not good at, you know, whatever, you know, human, you know, HR, right? Human you know, resources, right? cover it right but don't but don't don't smother what you're good at because you're trying to compensate for that right i love it well john i actually like to end the show by giving you the last word on things that you want to say to the investors and to the into the um startup people and you've done a great job by actually doing that now so i don't even need to use that line but i appreciate well, it yeah. perfect awesome thank you very much for that optimize your value uh, you said a lot of valuable things. I appreciate your time again, John. Thank you very much. Oh, awesome. Great. Yeah, Thank glad you. glad to share it and look forward to talking more. Bye, guys. Okay, that was uh, John Derrick. That was awesome. Like uh, a lot of great stuff there. Really liked his journey. He's done a lot of great things in the entrepreneurial space, not only from building companies, working at IBM, filing 19 patents by 99, uh, but just the the sheer value of, and you use that a lot, value, finding value, uh, expanding, building products and business. 
They can bring value, solve problems. Uh, he's done a lot of great things, man. You gotta, you gotta really understand yourself. I think that was a, a real key point. Figure out who you are, and then figure out what you're trying to problem you're trying to solve, and then uh, build a team around that, and, and understand how that team's going to do it. So, uh, some fantastic uh, deep dive information there, uh, and commercialize. Learn how to commercialize your product. He does that a lot, working with lots of different startups and businesses. So. Um, you know, fantastic. Have a vision, understand how to execute the vision and then commercialize it. I, I'm really starting to love that commercialization piece because I think it's going to make a big difference on how businesses and startups look at everything. So um, thank you again for joining us today. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. You can also check us out at supportersfund.com or for our startup events, visit, op visit opn.ninja. Thank you and have a great day.